welcome to episode 29 of Slaytanic Vercast, the internet's only comprehensive chronological retrospective of the world's greatest thrash metal band, the mighty Slayer. I'm Mo from France, and to my west, broadcasting from AstraZeneca's cave of bubbling cauldrons, it's Dr. Lee Quessence. How you doing, Doc? Very well. Um, I was hoping um, I could uh, conceal from the world uh, the fact that for, for, for once in my long and morbid life, um, I'm, I'm, I'm working for a living. Uh, with, with things going the way they're going um, and the world's allegedly greatest chemists and um, geneticists in, 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 in disarray, um, they felt the need to call in an outside consultant. Um, uh, Someone who, um, someone who had not merely witnessed some of the, the vilest medical experiments in human, human history, but in fact presided over some of them. Sure. And also, you, you did some to yourself, didn't you, Doc? So, you know, you're not, you're, you're not scared of injecting yourself with whatever, whatever vile potion they might ask of you. Well, weaker-minded scientists than myself would say, never subject another living creature um, to an experiment that you wouldn't subject yourself to. Mm-hmm. I myself would, of course, say, um, never subject another living creature to an experiment and waste all that good stuff. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, of course. Yes, you, you want to sample the goods yourself. Yeah, and I mean, you know, <clears throat> what's the use in, in, in having to euthanise some, some poor bunny just because it's grown an extra three tentacles out of mm-hmm. its head? Mm-hmm. What, what could you see from where you're standing right now? Um, of the things I... I could describe to you without me going <laughs> mad. Yes. Um, the most interesting um, is, and it, it's, it's, it's my own work, obviously, is the pit of Astaroth um, in the centre of the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, the factory is, as you can probably guess, um, located in, um, well, the, the, the location is secret, allegedly, mm. although I'm sure you can probably track it down. Um, the site of the um, Soviet borehole on part of the Kola Peninsula, which I, I they, they they admitted to going down 200 kilometers, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I happen to know um, it goes a great deal further from that than that. And please don't tell our Protestant friends in Scotland anything about this, but it is in fact a gateway to hell. Oh dear, dear God. Are you saying that AstraZeneca's cave of bubbling cauldrons is, is perched atop one of the seven hell mouths that we know to? Well, one of the nine that I know to. Oh, you know nine. Yeah, you found another um, two since last we spoke about this. Sure. I mean, um, the, the 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 project director um, who is is sort of arranging my consulting fee at the moment um, just said to me, um, "I don't even want to know what you get up to in there." Mm-hmm. Um, so, actually, when AstraZeneca um, are charged in the future. Um, with distributing drugs based on chemicals obtained literally from hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and when their spokesman says, I don't know anything about that, he will be telling the truth. Good. Yes, this is a plausible deniability I think you're talking about here. In my mind, from this hell mouth, there is like a white, foaming, yogurty substance bubbling up, much like in Larry Cohen's The Stuff. Am I, am I, am I close? Um, not so much a yogurty substance as a yog-sogothy substance. Good Lord, what a great reference, Doc. Very well done, um, sir. Hats off, sir. That's a very good one. Yeah. <laughs> bravo. I'm sorry. Bra- no, bravo. The quick thinking. Um, I want to give you a video game update, update because I haven't for a while, Doc. That's right. Yeah. Um, 
Now, from time to time, listeners, you know, I have a tendency to become addicted to a video game or two. At the moment, I'm rocking my way through Streets of Rage 4. Oh, good God, Dob, this is a good game. This is good. Have you heard of Streets of Rage, the series? Um, no. Um, and I suppose in my naivety, because uh, I, I almost always end up asking a question like this. How does it differ from Streets of Rage 1, 2, and 3? Uh, it doesn't, and that's the beauty of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in fact, it's trying to do the exact opposite. It's trying to replicate you know, past glories, really. Um, because I think Streets of Rage 3 um, came out something like 1996, I want to say. Um, so there's been 24 years since the last entry in the series. Um, and so what they, what the developers are trying to achieve is, you know, a direct replication, really. And f for my money, they're really, really successful. Um, style of game. Can you have a guess, Doc? Streets of Rage. What kind of game is that going to be? A, 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 a racing one. Oh, it's a good guess. Yeah, I can see what I can see where you get to that from. But no, it's not. It's a. It's, it's the a word streets, mate. It's the yeah, word of course. Street. Yeah. No, I get it. Um, it's a 2D side-scrolling beat-em-up. Um, so you're you're a sprite on the screen, and you're dropped on. It's all um, hand-painted animation, so it looks absolutely beautiful. Mm. Um, hand-drawn hand and then rendered, obviously. It looks absolutely gorgeous. Um, really captured like, the, retro, the re retro style. A more famous game in this same kind of genre, would be Double Dragon. I don't know if you're familiar with that one, Doc. I'm afraid not. Ah, double, well, yeah, Double Dragon, very, very similar. But as the name implies, in Double Dragon, you, you're generally playing a, a, you know, two players, so you're playing cooperatively. It's tough. It's a difficult game. In order to obtain the Platinum, which you know I'm obsessed by getting my Platinums, Doc, we've, we've spoken about this in an earlier episode, you've got to finish this game at least eight different times. Oh. And each time you play it, you've got to use a different character. Um, and each of the characters has different capabilities. Um, you know, some some are very strong but slow. Others are kind of weak but, but you know, fast as a bullet. And it's just kind of finding the right balance for your play style. Um, Cherry is my favourite so far. Like a, 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 a punk rock chick with fast flying fists and, 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 and incredibly powerful feet. She's great. It's a cracker duck. Anybody out there? Check it out. Streets of Rage 4. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, I'm also, Doc, still learning how to drive a truck, as I think we've spoken about. But I've, I've come across a bit of a problem. Um, you know, these are big, these are big 18 wheelers, Doc. You know, these are massive vehicles. Yeah. How am I supposed to control such a beast and hold my can of lager? You tell me, Doc. It's, <laughs> it's just not fair. It's just not fair. <laughs> um, I would advise uh, not drinking beer while you're driving. I would advise smoking weed because I think you'll find a, a, a big fatty, much more easy to clamp between your teeth. Yeah. So you can keep both hands on the control. You're right. I, I like it. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Chow time, motherfuckers. Do you remember what this stands for, Doc? Um, please remind me, and also for the benefit of our listeners. Exactly. Uh, Quand Information 
additionnel et observation, something like that. I, I, I might have butchered that a little bit, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, <clears throat> the errata, exactly. Um, first one, here we go. Not so much a correction, more of an apology. During the Piece by Piece show, there were some real strange audio disturbances. There were voices in the background, Doc. Now, I'm telling you, I've got no idea where those sounds were coming from. I don't remember when we were recording that show, there being background noises from other rooms. Do you, Doc? No, not at all. But there, there is dis the, the distinct sound of human voices in the background. Isn't that weird? Can you hear what they're saying? I mean, well, uh, they, uh, to, to, <laughs> um, what, what, one, of, one of my favourite... Um, real life construences ever from the mouth of an actual human being. Could you distinguish human words? <laughs> um, I, I think yes. I mean, it, it was clearly, clearly English speaking voices. Um, I mean, it, it, it's it's like some kind of weird EVP. Um, EVP being for people that don't know, electronic voice phenomena. Um, this is where. Very, very strange individuals record the noise of static and then <laughs> claim to be able to hear the name of their of their dead son coming through the hiss. Um, very, very peculiar. Apologies, guys. Don't know what it was. Really hope it's something supernatural. Um, second correction here. I referenced the beef track called The Question or The Diss Track, whichever way you want to say it. Mm -hmm. I said that the artist was called Zani. She's, of course, called Ziani. I miss the E, Doc. My bad. Whatever. Get stuffed, complainers. Um, and lastly, not a correction, but a congratulations to the good Doc here, actually. Your use of the... In, it, again, in the piece by piece episode, Doc, I never clocked it at the time. But as I was doing the edit, I had to have a little pause and just think, bravo, sir. It made me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Your use of the word sinistrium. I really enjoyed it, Doc. It was great. Brilliant. Congratulations. <laughs> words. Yeah, it's a cracker. Um, you ready for the topic? I am. Here we go. Um, talk to me about either the strangest or the most interesting place you have ever listened to metal. Off we go. Easy. Oh. Um, Morbid Angel, mm -hmm. Blessed Are the Sick, mm -hmm. um, in the Capuchin Tombs uh, beneath Brno Cathedral um, in Czechoslovakia. Wow. That's a strong opener. That's a cracker. Yeah. Talk, um, talk me through it, Doc. Oh, um, it was completely intentional. I knew I was going there. I was planning to spend the whole entire morning. And out of the five tapes I'd taken with me, um, I picked out... Um, blessed are the sick. Um, I, I, I went into the cathedral and so as not to profane holy space, I did not put the tape on until I descended the stairs um, into the, the, the unhallowed catacombs mm -hmm. um, and queued it up, put my headphones on, looked up and was confronted with a chandelier made from human skulls and thigh bones. <laughs> Yes, Trey um, Zakthoff would most certainly have approved, I imagine. Most certainly would. Yeah, that's a very, very, um, very, very good location. The single most evocative moment was when I turned a corner to find myself in, in, in a chamber lined on both sides 
um, with, with, with mummified monks mm. um, at the precise moment that the line, freedom of pain, blackened souls remain. <laughs> Absolutely awesome. Brilliant. I love that. Don't I, you? I, well, I can't beat that. Um, I I've got another one, actually. Go on then, drop me a second, Doc. Um, it's the one that almost brought about my demise. <laughs> um, I don't think you were there on this occasion. I'd, I'd taken a long weekend break with a, a, a good acquaintance of, of both yours and mine. And we'd gone down to Ilfracum in Devon um, with the intention of camping and, and, and drinking some beer and um, enjoying the warm weather and the ocean side. And of course, listening to lots and lots of metal. Mm. Um, and because we'd set off, I think on a Thursday evening, it was re- getting really, really dark by the time we got there, even though it was June or July. Um, and my traveling companion said, um, do you mind if I put something on the stereo? Do I mind? Is it metal? Do I look like the kind of man who would mind metal being played on my car stereo? And he put the tape in. And um, what it was, unbeknownst to me, was Dictus Tinecare by Bethlehem. Oh, yes. I'm not, I'm not familiar with that, to be honest. I don't really know much about Bethlehem. It opens with the single most blood-curdling scream. Mm. Um in the history of any genre of metal. Mm. Um, and I I lost my shit so badly to the extent that I almost crashed the car. Bethlehem, <laughs> um, um, raw, raw primitive black metal. Is that the, uh, is that the vibe? Um, it's a bit more than that. Mm. It has what I believe you would call dark wave and industrial elements. Um... But particularly that, that first track before it slows right down. Um, what everyone will tell you about Bethlehem um, is the staggering level of torment, um, which is embodied within the vocals. That, that I, I, I can't think of vocals that are more infused with pain and suffering. Who's the, who's the, 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 the lead screamer? Um, I believe his name is Bach. Oh, it's not, it's not bad. Yeah. Um, Norwegian, I'm guessing. I think they're German. Oh. Um, um, apparently, um, what brought them together um, is the, 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 the three members, Barch and Maton and somebody else. And um, they have very good reason to believe um, that they are cursed individuals because all of them have been surrounded since early childhood by multiple deaths. Oh, God. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't precisely know how they met each other. Um, although it's distinctly possible that death metal had something to do with it. Mm, mm. Um, but um, when they discovered that they all believed they were cursed individuals, because for as long as they could remember, people around them, such as parents, relatives, acquaintances, um, have died in mysterious mm. and inexplicable ways. Um, they decided they should protect the rest of the human race um, and encourage each other um by consorting with 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 no other people but themselves yeah yeah very interesting i, I, I do need to check a bit of bethlehem out a name that of course i'm familiar with but you know just, I, can't, I can't think of a single tune in my head um after listening to them you still won't be able to think yes. of a single tune <laughs> good point um, um my one and i've only got one really um was i was on an idyllic paradise-like beach in um, Tahiti, you know, a, a place of, of wonder, a place of dreams, a place that, you know, many people 
long to go to, but may never get the opportunity. I was fortunate enough to be there, but I was feeling very misanthropic. I was not in the mood for the heat and the sand um, and <clears throat> the exorbitant price of baguettes, for Christ's sake. Four, the equivalent <laughs> of four euros for a baguette. Are you insane? Um, and so I, I retreated back to our beach hut um, where we, 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 we were effectively staying for about three nights. And I, on repeat, listened to, in a very, very bad mood, Aborted's album, Gormageddon, The Saw and The Carnage Done. Absolutely awesome. I had a great time. I had an absolutely great time. Mrs. Mo wasn't, <laughs> wasn't very happy with me, but never mind. Um <clears throat> Don't forget, you can copy, you can contact us even on Twitter at Vercast or on email at slavetanicvercast at gmail.com. Um, where does it get going, Doc? Yeah. Okay, welcome to part two of the show. Here we play the track, pause it from time to time, and talk about what we've just heard this week's song is the fourth track from slayer's third album raining blood called altar of sacrifice let's go to hear a proper lead line i would say um especially like a like a, a single pick lead line underneath the verse i think that's the first time we've heard that so far this album well yeah i mean we're we're, we're into track four on the yeah. album now aren't we mm-hmm. we are um so it's it's kind of about time um for them to settle down and writing some, uh, and, and write some album tracks mm-hmm. by which I, I i don't mean filler um, but we've already discussed the way that um, the first three tracks, at least, are, um, I would say nothing but, because they're more than that, but at least one component of each of the three tracks is to be a different kind of um, exhibitionistic extremity. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and having done that three times in a row, now maybe they, 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 they feel it's time to, to sit down and, 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 and compose an album. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going to say in the style of the Slayer that we know and love. And the peculiar thing for me is that this kind of is in the style of, it doesn't sound like anything from the first two albums, mm-hmm. but um, like you just said, that business of playing a single note lead line under the main verse yeah. and with the riff as well. That's mm-hmm. something we haven't heard yet on this album. You're right. No, no, we haven't. I mean, the, the, I suppose the only real lead line we've heard so far you know, is that middle break, which is excellent, of course, that middle break section in in Angel of Death, where where it slows down, Kerry King starts the lead and everything just builds up into that groove section in the middle. Um, But since then, nothing really in terms of, in in terms of like the single pick, the single pick melodies. Um, So it, it, it is good to hear. Let's make a bit of progress. Here we go. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, and um, it's funny actually. A moment ago, you you, you made reference to the uh, the breakdown section in, in in Angel of Death, and I didn't know whether I should say it. Damn it, I'm going to say it now um, because nothing in the world says "Let's get funky" like Nazi war criminals. Let's that's face true. it. Of course, yeah, um, absolutely, and maybe that's why we've got this kind of poptastic vibe going on here because. You know, nothing says kind of cutesy pop like a uh, human sacrifice. <laughs> the thing is, I kind of know what they mean mm. because um, we'll talk about this more when we discuss the lyrics. But this is the closest Slayer have come on this album so far to the um, the sort of devilish, ghoulish fun that hallmarked their first two albums. Yeah, you're quite right. Yeah, And of course, we'll broach that when we get to the lyrics, no doubt at all. But I think even in the music, you can feel that, you can feel that um, cadence is the wrong word, that, that, you know, just that kind of atmosphere, can't you? I think cadence is the right word. It's, um, there's a beat that's slightly off mm. um, in, in the rhythm, in, in, in the actual cadence, and it, it does... I'd need to be much more of a musicologist than I am to explain this properly, but there's something about the timing that makes it sound fun. Hey, here's a fun game we haven't played for a while. Name that solo, Doc. I think that's got to be a Hanneman. Was it just one solo or, or were there two solos? What do you reckon? Um, I think there was some, I, I, I think there was some kingy bits in there. Mm. I had always, like many people, I, I think, assumed that the, the more straight ahead, fast single picking solos were the Hanneman ones. Mm -hmm. um, and the bendy, wiggly, noisy, relentless abuse of the tremolo arm ones <laughs> the Kerry King ones. Well, I think we discovered quite early in the first album um, that they both do bits of each. You are correct, actually. Yes, we, we, we had to modify our, our opinion, didn't we? Based on the, the evidence of our own ears. That's right. Yeah, you um, are correct. So, um, I'm going to say, I believe that's a Hanneman. Um, and I, I believe it's Hanneman all the way through with, with some Kingisms in it. Mm, it, it. It is Hanneman all the way through. And I think King is just thrashing away on the, on the riff, actually, on the background riff. So hmm. whatever, whatever, whatever high-pitched noises you're hearing are all coming from Hanneman's axe. Well spotted, sir. And may I say, that drum fill there is far, far superior to fucking Phil Collins's drum fill. I, I just needed to get that out of the way. The, the kind of thing that Dave Lombardo drops out of his arse three or four times every fucking song absolutely wipes the floor with Phil Collins. I'm done, yeah. Doc. I'm never going to mention it again. Um, you can mention it as often as you want, but uh, just as long as you um, uh, you don't mind me following up with people who think that coming in the air tonight um, is an excellent drum fill played by Phil Collins <laughs> um, are the kind of people who haven't listened to the live version of Return of the Giant Hogweed from the 1972 album. 
you're quite right. Well, um, the, the, what a song that is. Yeah, the, of course, that's that's Phil Collins uh, as a part of Genesis rather than when he went solo and became the the horror that that, that, <laughs> that he still is to this day. Here we go. Name that solo, Doc. And that's got to be Kerry King, hasn't it? That's Hanneman. That's Hanneman oh again. Oh, my goodness. I know. I know. To, oh, my goodness. To, to prove your point, really. Yeah, Jeff Hanneman doing his best Kerry King impersonation. There we go. Yeah, they're, they're learning um, from each other. Well, um, so calling back to a band that I made reference to earlier on in this episode, do you think there's any possibility that a young and impressionable traitor Zagthoff may have heard that solo? <laughs> You mean that precise solo or the, or the, yes. or the style? Um, well, that precise one, because um, I feel like um, if you took that solo and broke it down into four or five different components, you could find each of those components in at least one of Trey Zagthoff's solos. Yeah, and of course Trey was, was and perhaps still is, you know, the, the master of those just kind of, you know, one second solo interludes that, 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 you know, that structurally make no sense, but sound absolutely awesome. Um, second callback of the evening to within the space of the same episode, the very traveling companion who um, almost killed me with Bethlehem mm. um, in Ilfracombe, um, had a lovely expression for those. Um, he called them incidental solos. So what, what we're referring to is the song is going along at normal pace usually supported by Richard Brunel playing guitar. Mm -hmm. um, and then to punctuate some part of the lyrics, um, there's either a little turn fill from, uh, from Pete Sandoval, um, mm. or sometimes there's, there's, there's just a, a, a sub-half-second um, little fill, um, very much as if um, the rest of the song was the movie, and Trey Zagthoth was sort of writing the soundtrack for it. Yeah, it's um, it's a really good point. I think my favourite um, um, example of this is, I think it's Abominations from Blessed Others from the Blessed Others Sick album. Yeah. Um, and there are moments where you know he makes the guitar almost sound like police sirens. It's very peculiar. <laughs> I'm going to suggest that that particular style was greatly influential on Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine, which we'll oh, come yes. to again a bit later. Yeah, um, yeah. But in, in, in that very song, the, the, there are two moments I can think of. Um, there's one, upon delivery of the line, um, Tiamat, Dark Serpent, Lord of the Morbid Priests. And as if to punctuate the line, the Morbid Priests, there's a little... <laughs> exactly, yes. yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, just, just a little tinkle. Turning. And then the second one you're referring to um, is the second repetition um, of the chorus. And behind the line, um, rise up from out of the sea in the name of the ab, so I call. Um, I, I think he leans on his tremolo bar and pushes mm -hmm. all the way down until there's no tension in the strings at all. And then... Um, I don't know whether he strokes the strings or whacks them with something. And then 
pulls, releases the, tr the tremolo bar to, bar to bring the tension back in. And it does sound like halfway between um, a police siren and um, something enormous rising from the depths of the ocean. Yeah, yeah it, 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 it really is so evocative, isn't it, given, given the, the lyrics of that song. But we're not yeah. here to talk about Morbid Angel, Doc. Uh, we're here to talk about Slayer. chunky you know really really fat with a ph uh, riff going on there definitely um is that the first example of a production trick in slayer mm -hmm. um winding the tape winding the tape backwards to lead into that solo uh should we have a quick listen yeah hang on have i gone back far enough let's find out Yeah, there's definitely some kind of effect going on, isn't there? They're, they're doing something. I think what they've done, um, he starts the solo as normal during the first recording. Mm. Later on, they run, the they, they run the tape backwards and he picks out where the solo starts and hits the same note and then lets it sustain out. Yes. Um, so that when you run the tape forward again, it appears to come from nowhere and then merge effortlessly into the real first note. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so the the solo, the original solo, is feeding the actual solo that we hear. That's right. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Um, yeah. And once again, don't know if this is an influence. Um, the best known example of this, and I, I, I can't seem to stop talking about other bands tonight, and for which I apologise. But then, um, the best known example of this is the solo in "Give It Away" by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh huh where the guy composed the solo and then learned the notes backwards and played it backwards. All oh, right, wow, that's impressive. The, played it backwards with the tape running backwards. Mm. So when you run the tape forwards, every mm. single note in the solo sounds like that. Yeah, very, very interesting. Did he also, you know, on, on his um, sliders, slide the funk setting up to 11 by any chance? I think you very possibly did. Yeah, I think you're probably right. You know that that, that concept of, of of the solo feeding itself. You know that's how they make Snickers bars, Doc. <laughs> Go on. How about this for a connection? In order to make a Snickers bar, you first have to make a Snickers bar, then kind of melt it down and chop it up, and that creates the centre of the new Snickers bar. How about that, Doc? It's like yogurt, isn't it? Well, I suppose, or, or, or um, like um, soda bread, something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That long ago in mm -hmm. the desert in what is now Saudi Arabia, that there, was, there was some yogurt mm -hmm. that came about somehow. Yeah. And all of the rest of the yogurt in the world since then has been bred from that one batch. Mm -hmm. So I like to think that some, you know, some, sometime back in the mists of time, perhaps shortly after the Big Bang, that solo from our Altar of Sacrifice was first played and echoing through time, now we finally get to hear it in all of its majesty. Is it possible, Doc, or am I talking nonsense? Mm. Um, 
<clears throat> there's a couple of theories that we could discuss here. Um, we could be talking about young Earth, uh, young Earth soloism, mm -hmm. um, which is that, in fact, that no solos on Earth uh, are older than 6,000 years. Of course. And, um, all, all, all the guitar solos that there have ever been um, were just suddenly magisterially willed into creation mm. precisely 6,000 years ago. Mm. Um, then there's the, the, the quantum tachyonics theory, which is that all solos are created by the heat death of the universe. Mm. Um, I, I favour I, I a third theory, which is that all solos have been put on this earth by God in order to tempt us. Um, you don't subscribe to the theory that um, they were put on earth by Satan. Well, if one man's God is another man's Satan, Doc. That's all I'm going to say on that matter. I, I, I don't want to get in trouble again for this. Let's rock on. Here we go. I guess the pulse is both my new. Use it when you feel the need. Master the forces and powers of safety, controlling the creatures in the sea. Drown to the castles of floating the sky. Learn to resist the temptation. Watching the angels sift to the heavens. Everything searching for. Nan, that solo, Doc. I think that was both of them. Oh! I think they were both involved in that. That was just Kerry King, my friend. Was it? That was just Kerry King. I know. Yeah, the, I, I, I did confirm it earlier. I, I watched the the still reigning performance just to just to be sure of my facts. Yep. Yeah, uh, Kerry King plays it straight and does a really good job. Imagine yep. that. And there we go. Let's close the track out. So there we go, that was track four from Rain in Blood, entitled Altar of Sacrifice. Initial thoughts, Doc? There's nothing about that song that isn't just massive fun from beginning mm. to end, is there? Mm. Um, it's a cracker. It is a cracker, isn't it? There's no doubt. Puts, it, it just puts a smile on my face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, um, it is naive and it is... Um, uh, I'm talking about music now, not yeah. the lyrics. Mm -hmm. It is musically and rhythmically naive, and I think that's completely intentional. Sure. I think it's supposed to be a breath of fresh air, uh, or, uh, a, a, a breath of rancid air, possibly, um, but um, a breath of air after the unremitting intensity of the, the, the first 10 minutes um, of the album. Um, I mean, it, it, it's it's got that very... Um, I'm going to use the word cadence now. Um, mm -hmm. I believe in the... It's got that very nursery rhyme cadence to it. Yeah. Um, it isn't actually... The cadence of it isn't actually unlike one of the fast march cadence calls that you were talking about earlier on. Sure. It's the da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. Um, <clears throat> and when you hum it, um, <clears throat> I hope I'm not going to spoil this for you forever. It's the same cadence as the um, theme tune to Rhubarb and Custard, if you remember that. Oh, wow. no, I, I, I vaguely remember the, the, the show, but no, I don't know the music.
it's the exact same rhythm. Um, and whoever composed the theme tune to Rhubarb and Custard wanted to connote um, something that was bad-mannered, boisterous, impolite, fun and messy. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, the, and I think the same rhythm is used for the same purpose here. Yeah, because there is, there is kind of an element of um, of chaos, isn't there, really, to, to, to that lead line under the verse. You know, it, 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 it's definitely structured and it's definitely played very, very well. But there's almost like, um, I don't know, like, like a, oh, I, could, I can't think of another word other than chaos or mess, which, which I've already used. You know, that, that there is just almost like an unruliness to it. Tell me if this makes sense to you. Um, even though you can clearly play it, it's played like someone struggling with the complexity of something that's almost beyond their capability to play. Mm. I mean, it could be that it's right on the limit of, you know, their, their kind of speed ability. Because, you know, that, that, that lead line is not easy to play. I can just about play it. Um, but you have to be, like, supremely warmed up. This is not a song you can just pick the guitar up and play. You know, sure. um, you know, when I've played this in the in the past, you know, I've actually I've actually been playing guitar for fifteen or twenty minutes just to get my wrist loose enough to you know to to, to even get close to the speed. Um, refer back to what what you're talking about now. Refer back to it when we get to the end of the show and we start talking about when they played it live. Sure. Because I bet you this will turn out to be one of those tracks that they play that they, they haven't played live very much. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they have, it's been in, um, they've played it like on every show on a particular tour. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll come back to that. Any, any other thoughts here, Doc? I mean, what about the structure here? Because it, it starts off pretty breakneck, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty pacey. I, 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 don't think it's, I don't think it's just furiously fast as the last two tracks we've heard. Um, but when I say it's, it's difficult to play at that speed, it's because it is a bit more intricate, I think. But as the song goes on, it actually slows down, doesn't it? It is quite curious. So by the end, it's almost at a crawl, isn't it? You know, as it, as it, as it kind of almost kind of fades out the speed in preparation for the next track. It is a difficult track, actually, to analyse in isolation because it feeds directly into track number five. Yeah. Um, so um, I'm going to make the suggestion to you structurally um, the first three tracks are um, the equivalent of um, Joe Pesci getting in your face um, and going is that what I am to you? Am yeah. I a fucking clown? Am I yeah. here to fucking amuse you? Yeah, and sure. The end of that track is the bit where he goes I had you then, mm. I had you then <laughs> mm. um, and presumably the next track um is the one where he remembers what he was planning to do all along and beats the living daylights out. Mm, yeah, I think you might. You may well be right if I remember the structure of that of that tune correctly. Um, but do, as a standalone track, does it work for you, Doc? That you know, kind of going from fast and gradually slowing down. So by the end, it's almost like the momentum's being drained from the song. I'll have some more about this to say when we uh, when we come to the lyrics. But is it supposed to be? Um, on a mass pick or mm. um, metonymic mm-hmm. somehow um, of the, 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 
the blood draining out of the sacrificial victim and oh. that that and that twitches and struggles becoming even more feeble and sure yeah no, no, it, it, it's a great image you, you you paint in there doc and it, it's certainly in keeping with the with the lyrical themes isn't it um it got me thinking though you know that <coughs> this album more than anything we've heard from them previously it could be it could be the case when we come to do our album overview you know that certain tracks on this album are not really intended to be listened to in isolation. Um, you know, they are meant to be listened to as part of the flow of the whole album. And I think what gives credence to my idea is the fact that the runtime of the, of the whole album is only 28 minutes. Yeah, uh, I've got a couple of comments to make on that. Rock music of any kind in the US from about 1968 onwards was never intended to be consumed as single songs. Yeah, um, the, the the predominant form of U.S. rock and roll um, from that time onwards was what was referred to as AOR. Um, oh yeah, mm -hmm. uh, which you'll hear some people um, say is adult-oriented rock, um, and another explanation which I prefer is an album-oriented rock. Yes, yes, I, I prefer that one because adult-oriented rock sounds a little bit pejorative somehow. I don't quite know why. It depending, it's almost like depending on who you are, it can't not sound pejorative. Um, if you're one of the kids, it sounds like a sneer at you. That, yeah, you know, this is what grown ups listen exactly. To. This, this is for um, the old farts, yeah. And um, well, no, this is um, this is for people who appreciate real music, oh, not, okay. that, not, not, not that rubbish you listen to. Mm, mm. Um, and if you are one of the old farts, um, then it sounds like you know, it, it goes along with your fucking walking frame and your toupee and your mm. false teeth. Mm. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's how I always interpret that that that, that expression as, as you know, as, as the sneer at the old farts, basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, but but I take your point that the, the, the generally rock music and metal was 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 album orient, oriented, um, and, and and this could you know the the, the, the what well, maybe the last the last two or three tracks from this album could be perfect examples of that. Um, if I think about this album. You know, if, if I were to put this, the, 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 the CD on, if, you know, if, if, if I still owned a CD player, um, I, you know, would I, you know, would I go directly to Epidemic? Would I go directly to Necrophobic? Probably not, but I might go directly to Angel of Death or Postmortem or Raining Blood, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, once again, let's talk about the, the medium, the media. Um, that this album was most likely. Um, we discussed in a previous episode how when 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 Rick Rubin would would, would produce hip hop, um, he'd take the tape down to the street and uh, he'd 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 find some dealer or banger um, and ask if he could sit in his, uh, in exchange for a copy of the tape. He'd ask if he could sit in his car and listen to it. Mm -hmm. and if it didn't sound right in in a gangster's ride on the street, then he had to take it back and remix it until it yeah. did sound right. And uh, apparently, with his work on Slayer. Um, he'd walk around Queens listening to it on a cheap personal stereo to see if it sounded right. Mm. So um, this stuff was explicitly produced and put together that it would be on a tape, it would go in your Walkman, the Walkman would go in your backpack, um, you would not have random access, you, 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 you would not have a remote controller or an MP3 player. Sure. You would not have random access to these tracks. You would put the tape on, you'd put your headphones on, 
um, and you'd start skating or riding the subway or doing whatever you were doing. Um, and you, you would listen to the album from one end to the other. Then the, 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 the tape would turn over and then it would start again. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, even though progressive rock was kind of a joke um, by this point in history, um, I think one of the endearing legacies of progressive rock in metal um, was the, the, the notion, at least, of the concept album. Um, I put it to you that Metallica were making concept albums um, until even after this time. I think And Justice for All is very definitely a concept album. Certainly. That, that, that was the first one that came into my head, Doc. Yeah. Um, and Megadeth, in, I would say. Rust in Peace. Yeah. Uh, at the same and, time. Yeah. Um, I think... Um, this will get many episodes all to itself, but I think you can make a case that South of Heaven is a concept album. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think we've now got three completely separate piece of, uh, pieces of evidence. That, no, these tracks were never designed to be listened to in isolation. No, no. Um, and, and, the fact, and the fact, oh, sorry, Doc, and, and the fact that, you know, certainly so far, with the exception of Angel of Death, you know, so the, the other two tracks that we've, that we've analysed they didn't really play them live very much, did they? No, no. Um, what were the single cuts off this album? So, ask me again, Doc. Sorry, I didn't what, hear. What, um, what, what, cut, what, what were the single cuts off this album? Oh, the single. I said, what? Let's uh, let's look that up. Or we're. Uh, I'm not sure if if Slayer had a single before Seasons in the Abyss. Sure. Yeah. So I, I think the answer might be none. But let's just double check that. Um, I think they had two EPs. Prior to Seasons, but but I think Seasons Seasons in the Abyss was their first official single. I think. Just give me a, give me a sec, Doc. Obviously, with Zoom running, my, my computer crawls to a halt. Hold on. So I mean, obviously, on on most albums, um, the singles stick out a mile, don't they? They do. Yes, and in fact, I, I can tell you the singles from this album was criminally. Insane, which is track six. So we'll be covering that in a couple of weeks. But interestingly, it did not come out until approximately one year after the album was released. What a very strange thing to do. Yeah. So maybe maybe they didn't release a single because they because Def Jam were not expecting the phenomenal success that this album became, perhaps. Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll we'll talk about this later, probably when we review the whole album. Yeah. But it's um, it's worth pointing out what um, an unexpected crossover success this album turned out to be. Mm, for sure, yeah. Um, but we, we, we'll have a lot more to say about that when we come to the album roundup. Any last point, stop before we get, in, get into the, uh, the meat of the lyrics? It's more of a question. Mm. Um, is, this intended, is this intended to be a throwback to album one and two era Slayer or is it intended to fool you into thinking it's a throw because superficially you listen to it and you think this sounds like something Slayer would have done on one of their first two albums yeah but no it doesn't it doesn't sound anything like anything they did on their their first two albums Mm. so is that me making a mistake or is that me being fooled by a thing that they wanted to fool me with no, I think I think I think it's a perfectly valid comment, Doc. To be honest, if we think about the obviously we're about to go onto the lyrics, but if we think about the subject matter, you know, it, it is hokey horror stuff, 
exactly the kind of subject matter that they were dealing with, particularly on on um, on the first album. So it makes total sense that that musically, you know, it, it would have that same kind of vibe. It doesn't sound exactly the same, but that's that's just down to like the the, the intensity of the production, I think. Sure. Um, I was sort of toying with the idea that it was a track they wrote or a track they performed in such a way as to make you think it was reminiscent of their old material, even yeah. though it's not remotely reminiscent of their older material. Sure, yeah. But uh, I think it's got elements of their older material in there. Um, and, you know, of the four tracks we've heard so far, it is it is certainly the most, in, you know, in quotes, retro of the bunch. Yeah. Welcome to part three of the show, Evil Speak here. We just read through the lyrics and generally just have a bit of a chimwag about them. Um, so here goes, verse one. Waiting the hour destined to die here on the table of hell. I figure why I know my man approaching the altar of death. I bruise the waiting dagger in hand, spilling the filbert of blood. Satan slide the ceremonial death, answer his every command. Awaiting the hour destined to die here on the table of hell. A figure in white, unknown by man, approaching the altar of death. High priest awaiting, dagger in hand, spilling the pure virgin blood. Satan's slaughter, ceremonial death, answer his every command. I rather like them, Doc. Well, uh, I mean, we're we're into proper early 70s cheese occult horror here, aren't we? We are. We really are. Mm -hmm. Um... I mean, uh, there's no, there's, there's, there's nothing even approaching social consciousness or actual history um, or real serial killers. Um, uh, no, this, this, this is um, the kind of low-budget crap horror from about 1972, mm. um, probably starring a down-on-his-luck Charles Gray uh, as, 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 as the high priest or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and a bunch of people you vaguely recognise from being in BBC TV programmes. Yes. Uh, the sort of irredeemable, the, the, the sort of absolutely irredeemably awful crap that you and I both love, and which was very, very important in our personal development as young men. It has the whiff of, of hammer, does it not? Um, I think something more European. Um, okay. I sent, uh, uh, um, Nothing as classy as Hammer. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I think um, I um, I think there would definitely be unapologetically bare breasts and possibly pubic hair in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm thinking um, the Pit and the Pendulum, the version starring Jennifer Jason Leigh from about 1993. Is, is, is a more recent example of exactly the genre you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's... I suppose what we're talking about is if Hammer had followed their trajectory from 1958... So, um, Hammer... In, in 1958, Hammer were pushing boundaries. Uh, they had more sex and more violence and more blood than was usual in cinema at the time. But they didn't move on. And by 1972, it was really starting to creak. If Hammer had followed that trajectory and kept ahead of the curve, yeah, this is absolutely the kind of film um, they would have been delivering. 
here um, on the here on the table of hell. Now, does that mean that the table is in hell, Doc, or comes from hell? What do you reckon? I just think it's a um, a, a, a sacrificial altar that has some function in raising demons or um, opening a gateway to hell. And the figure in white. Any thoughts here? Who might um, it be? We could. Uh, is it? Is it the priest or is it the sacrifice? A figure in white, unknown by man. Unknown by man, which ties into the the expression later, pure virgin blood, I suppose. Yes. So there's an unknown by man in a sexual way. Is that what you're inferring there, Doc? Um, that's the indication that um, it could be the sacrificial victim. Yeah. Um, oh, my mistake. In um, proper occult um, nomenclature, uh, we're not supposed to say victim, we're supposed to say calibrant. Oh, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes, because um, the, vi the, vi the victims get really upset, do they, if we use the word victim? Um, well, they, they, uh, depending on who you are, they mm -hmm. might not consider themselves victims. Oh, that's a very good point. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, if, so they've correctly, if they've correctly internalised their discipline and they've realised that actually their whole life has been leading to this purpose mm. and they not feel victimised uh, because they will be rewarded with great power. Mm -hmm. I like it. Approaching the altar of death, high priest awaiting. I don't like this repetition of awaiting in the same verse, Doc. It's a bit, it's a bit lazy, isn't it? Well, this, 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 this has the, uh, I was going to say fingerprints, not so much fingerprints, this has the poor marks of Kerry King all over I mean, you, 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 Spoilers, ahoy, but you are quite right. This, these words <laughs> are penned by, uh, by, by our good friend Kerry. Um, spilling the um, pure virgin blood, Satan's law, ceremonial death, answer his every command. It's all pretty straightforward. Um, I do like it. Any observations, Doc? Right. Um, can you think of any book, film, actual satanic ceremony that you've been to, um, mm. that you've ever seen, where um, uh, where the priest um, wears white and where the priest is required to be a virgin? Where the priest and the priest is required to be a virgin. Are we talking about kind of all all Catholic rituals? Um, well, it's a possibility, isn't it? Mm, it is. Certainly is. Yes. I don't know if they're obliged to wear white. Um, although some do, the the, the 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 priest that got a bit handsy with me when I was younger was 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 a big fan of a of a purple cassock. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's not Catholic. Um, maybe. Um, sorry, I'm I'm just intrigued and a little sidetracked by this idea of uh, a figure in white unknown by man. Mm -hmm. um, it could apply. We're supposed to think it's a satanic sacrifice. Do you not think it could apply equally well to a Baptist baptism? Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Um, but the, not, not with a dagger, surely. The, 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 a regular baptism, they're, they're, not, they're not wielding daggers usually, are they? Um, I think only if you try to get away. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and, if it's, and if it's Baptist, it's more likely to be shotguns than daggers, I think. <laughs> and unknown by man. So if, if this figure in white isn't the victim um, or the calibrant, um, but is in fact, you know, the, 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 the priestly figure, that unknown yeah. by man could suggest that, you know, this figure has emerged from hell, so dwells in hell. That's why, he, that's why he's unknown by man, isn't it? Because he, he's not earthborn. Um, he's either not uh, um, earthborn, um, 
I think, yeah, I mean, I, I've gone a bit wrong here. I think Baptist preachers are generally required to be married. Mm. Mm. Um, I think the general, um, the general thought is that um, since one of the functions of a, pre- a, 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 a preacher is to, to provide counselling and counselling to married couples, um, they probably need to be married and have their own kids before sure. they can do that stuff. So um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to reverse myself here. Um, I don't think... I don't think there's any intended ambiguity. I don't think we're supposed to be scratching our chins and going, are Slayer singing about a satanic ritual sacrifice or a Baptist um, full bath baptism? Because Mm. you're right. Um, I don't think many Baptists wave daggers around. (laughs) I don't think they spill much blood. Yeah, I don't think I don't think so. Um, Any any other thoughts on this first doc or should we uh, should we get on to the. What, I mean, technically, we've got kind of a, like a pre-chorus and then the chorus to come. Yeah, so uh, the next batch of lyrics. Death will come easy, just close your eyes. Dream of the friends you will see. Heavenly failure, losing again. Move on to a new form of life. Wow. Okay, so... I mean, the, 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 the two words that scream out to me is that is, I think you'll you identify this too, Doc, is heavenly failure. Yeah. Um, so this is obviously, uh, 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 there's, 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 a lot of the, there's, there's a lot of the Slayer cosmology. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, we, 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 we'll, we really are delving into their mythos here, aren't we? Yeah. Um, so you, you've, you've, you've got the, once again, you've got the explicit statement that, 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 that death is not the end. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the explicit statement that um, the, the, the lies of Christianity have been exposed. Mm. Um, dream of the friends you'll see. Curious, crucially, I think it does not say dream of the friends you'll see again. Or sure. Anything. The heavenly failure. Uh, I mean, is it as simple as they're talking about God or is it the, the concept of heaven that's, that's failed? Um. No, uh, if, if, if this is the priest um, narrating, mm. if, if this is part of the priest's ritual invocation mm-hmm. um, as he's performing the sacrifice, um, it's a very bold statement of, I am going to prove to you that everything you have been told about death um, is completely untrue. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, death is not the end. Um, it's not only Jesus who can transcend death or come back from, or, 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 or come back from the death. Um, you will um, effectively leave this mundane life behind and begin a new exalted form of existence. So this move on to a new form of life, are we talking about some kind of transubstantiation? No, I I don't think your soul is placed into a vessel. Mm. Um, I think it's it's, it's almost the, the, the Buddhist or Hindu concept. Um, that you're, you're you're being liberated from the world of flesh and the world of pain and the world of shit. Mm. See, I'm not I'm not sure. I, I think there's I think there are a few lines coming up that suggest that this this is literally a physical transformation. Um, Bring well, it I on. Su- I, su- I suppose work. we'll see when we get there. I guess. Um, let, let, let's do the chorus. Altar of sacrifice, curse of the damned, confronting the evil you dread. 
coalesce into one, your shadow and soul. Soon you will meet the undead. And then on the second repetition of the, of the chorus, Tom then bellows. Enter to the realm of Satan. Enter to the realm of Satan, of course. Um, first invocation of Satan, I believe, on this album. Is it the first time they've actually dropped the S word? I think it might. I, 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 I don't. I don't recall. I don't recall our pal Satan um, being 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 name checked. Um, so I mean, what what do you suppose happened? Do you suppose like um, Tom got a phone call from him um, like at two o'clock in the afternoon one day, and it's um, Mr. Araya, I must protest. You've been making sizable amounts of capital out of me for two albums. Um, I fixed up that deal for you. The least you could do is actually name check me. Yeah, Would you absolutely. Do Would well, you did, take care of it? I think he issued a cease and desist based on his image rights. You know, to name names basically. Um, Mate, in order to do that, he'd have um, he'd have had to have um, hired a lawyer. And I mean, I, I I think New York lawyers are far too disgusting and depraved for Satan to have anything to do with. That's true. He, yeah, he wouldn't sully he wouldn't sully his soul in their presence, would he? I guess. No, um, he, he wouldn't. Uh, he would he, he he wouldn't stoop to a trick that mean and low. I do like this this line here: "Coalesce into one, your shadow and soul." That's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, definitely. Um, is this shadow as in shade, um, as in another word for... Um, what's a shade? Help me out here. Um, I want to say it's a, a ghost which has the appearance of a zombie. Um, oh, I don't know this. Um, it, it's... Um, the, they're always... Uh, I never know whether shades, when they're drawn, I never know whether they're corporeal at all or fully mm. corporeal. Um, they're always drawn as like Lukio Fulky zombies, but semi-transparent. Okay. Mm -hmm. And normally wearing rotting clothing. Mm. Um, and they're very, when, when, when they appear in comics and illustrations, they're very often um, sort of shown to, to have the power to um, at least strangle or to wield a weapon or to... Sure. Um, so it, it, I, I also sort of think of them as like semi-corporeal ghosts of bleak stroke zombies. Mm. Um, and it's, um, if you were to ask me what the difference between a shade and a wraith is, mm -hmm. I would have absolutely mm -hmm. no idea. It's, it's true. It's, it's tough. And, and then we get into revenants and, 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 and we just get totally confused. Um, Reven revenants are definitely corporeal. Oh, yeah, well, that's true. And they fire big fucking rockets in Doom, don't they? So we, 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 yes, know, they they can, we know they can touch things. Um, any lines standing out here for you, Doc, in the, in the um, chorus? Coalesce into one, your shadow and soul. Um, yeah, so it, it's... it's um, there's got to be a a literary or comic book or something source for this. Mm. Um, likely the same one that caused my confusion um, about shadows and shades and wraiths and revenants sure. and all of that good stuff. Yeah, um, There's got to be a piece of lore out there for a bit of the mythos that they've cooked up, especially for the song. Um, it's very concisely and very well sketched, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I, I do I, a lot of those four lines. Yeah, you're quite right. It's very, very efficient. And it's it you know it it's Slayer again kind of painting pictures in the mind, isn't it? Which they are very very good at. Yeah, um, and it, it, it's 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 kind of 
Um, it's painting pictures in the mind, and at the same time, it's sort of um, laying down the rules the same way that in, in every Dracula film, you have to have a bit where Professor, Professor Van Helsing appears and explains what the rules of vampires are in this film. Sure, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You know, um, For the are there creations of the devil? Is yeah. it a disease? Yeah. Are they yeah. vulnerable to sunlight? Do you need to cut off their head? To, you know, uh, every time someone makes a Dracula film or some sort of vampire film, there has to be a Professor Van Helsing figure who pops up to explain what the rules of vampires are in yes. this film. Exactly the internal logic of that particular, yeah, of that particular piece. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, uh, next, next verse, Doc, or anything further to say on the chorus there? No, let's 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 move briskly on. Yeah. <laughs> Turning black, the change has begun. Feeling the hatred of all damned in hell, flesh starts to burn, twist and deform. Eyes dripping blood, realization of death, transforming of five toes to two. Learn the sacred words of praise, hail, Satan. So Satan's back again. And here's the line that makes me think, you know, that this is an actual transformation. It's a transforming of five toes to two. Again, a, what a fucking image that is, Doc. It's absolutely brilliant. Turning the human foot into some kind of cloven hoof. Cloven hoof. Yeah, absolutely um, awesome. If you read the words uh, at first sight, you can't use the word toes in a heavy metal. The, the, the word toes does not belong <laughs> in metal at all. Um, I think it works, though. It does. It works magnificently. <coughs> yeah, um, because it's um, it's actually it, it's 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 such a repulsive piece of imagery. Yeah, it really um, is gr grotesque, isn't it? If you're me, um, you can't help but think think things such as, well, what happens to the bones in the three redundant toes? Mm. Mm. Um, do they do they drop out of the bottom of the foot? Mm. Do they do they fuse together somehow? Because that I must hurt. Yes, I, I I think they fuse. You know, to make the, the the hard structure of the hoof. Now, I know that a hoof is made of—is it keratin in 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 reality? Well, um, it's, made, it's made of fingernail, isn't it? Which I think is keratin, isn't it? So it's the yeah. same as our nails and our hair, and like a That's rhino's right. tusk, etc. But I think for the sake of, of, of this story, you know, we, we can imagine that, you know, any entity that's capable of in, in initiating this kind of transformation, you know, has ways to deal with three spare toes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, um, but it, it, is, it is a funny word to appear. Um, but strangely, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like one of those kind of underpowered Slayer lyrics moments, does it? No, not at all. Um, in fact, it, it, it almost succeeds in subverting Slayer whimsy. Um, because at first sight, it reads like, well, I, I'm going to have to say it again. You can't use the word toes <laughs> in metal. No. Um, you can use the word fingers. Yes. So you can use the word fingers. You can have lines like, a thousand fingers reach out for you. Yes, um, yes. Um, My fingers round your throat. Something like that. Yes. Yeah, um, certainly. I tear at the lid, my fingers, they bleed. Yeah, we got it. Yeah. Um, great image. It is a great image, that, the transformation of the foot. And it, and it, and it brings me back to, um, I can't remember the track, but the, one of our favourite lines from, I believe it was the first album, which is, by Cloven Hoof, be gone. <laughs> by Cloven Hoof, be gone, definitely. <laughs> 
which is excellent. <laughs> With an exclamation mark. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, th- so this is interesting, isn't it? Suddenly it, in this verse, you know, we do have some kind of transformation taking place. That victim on the altar is clearly now being turned into something other. Yeah. Now, can you think of an actual extant occult-oriented film where the process of the human sacrifice causes the sacrificial calibrant to to, to transform, to to actually undergo the bodily transformation into the demon? What about the Doctor Who story, which is itself entitled The Demons? Isn't there some kind of sacrifice taking place that causes Azal to rise up? Um, well, the, the the ending of the demons is very very cheeky. Um, oh. It'll be ages till we get it till, till we get around to talking about it. Um, so I'm I'm, I'm going to bifurcate my answer to your question. Um, the only occasion in visual media I can think of where the sacrifice results in the Celebrant transforming into the demonic form themselves is in Image of the Fendal. Okay, sure. Oh yes, yes, um, yes. I, I remember. Yes, we, we we're going down a Doctor Who vibe here, Doc, and and for listeners. Um, out there who, who aren't aware, we, me and the, the good doctor here also um, host a Doctor Who podcast. Hopefully by the time this is released, Doc, at, at least the first episode of the Doctor Who show will be out. Anybody curious? It's going to be called uh, Different Doctor, Same Old Shit. Search for it on your podcast player of choice. Um, all I'm going to say um, about the ending to The Demons is um, when you're eight years old, you do not get the ending. You do mm. not understand it. Mm. It makes no sense. And it looks like the writer couldn't be bothered to write an ending. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only when you attain the majestic heights um, of being a spotty hormonal adolescent um, who's read too many horror books mm. that the ending makes sense. Um, so I can't think of any, I can't think of any direct examples of this, uh, but it's such a great idea. I'm surprised it hasn't been done. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it has. Any, anybody out there that knows, please let us know. We're always curious about these kinds of things. Um, well, I'm, I'm curious because um, if someone can tell me what that film is, I, I, I want to see it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we'll have a Zoom party document. We'll watch it together. It'll be lovely. Um, yes. Anything else standing out here for you? Um, except to say, um, it seems like you were right and I was wrong earlier on. Um, yeah, this is a, um, it also seems to sort of reverse itself from the themes of the previous verses. The previous verses were very much concentrated on how the sacrifice would enable you to, to, to transcend the, 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 the flesh-bound state and, and, and become a creature of spirit. Sure. Move on to a new form of life. Um, and then in this verse, um, for whatever reason, has the sacrifice gone wrong? Mm. Uh, has 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 has, um, has has Satan like deceived the uh, the cult somehow? Um, was were, were, were the cult of the impression that they were um, that, that they were they were liberating a soul from its fleshly prison? Um, but look what happened! Yeah, it turned into a demon. Yeah, whoops. <laughs> 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 there is a word here that makes me think that 
that it hasn't gone wrong, that, that, that this change was anticipated. And it's the first line here, blood turning black, the change has begun. And just that use of the definite article makes me think this change was predicted. What do you think about that? Yeah. Um, because otherwise it would say a change has begun, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. I can't help but feeling, I, I can't help but feel, um, I don't know who planned the sacrifice, but the, the, the priest, um, the guy with the dagger, um, he's, he's got the wrong, this, this, this chap's got the wrong end of the stick. Sure. He's confident when, 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 he's, uh, when he's whispering the words of comfort. Um, to the, the 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 poor thing about to get about to get daggered. <laughs> is that a verb? It is um, now. <laughs> the poor thing about to get daggered. Um, I'm fond of that. Um, he says, "Death will come easy. Just close your close your eyes and dream of the friends you'll see." Um, at no point does he say. You'll turn into a demon. No, no, you're going to turn into a into a demonic goat, basically. <laughs> <laughs> he never he, he never he never he never makes that claim. Um, feeling the hatred of all damned in hell. So, why are the denizens of hell going to be, you know, spewing hate in the direction of this new creature, which presumably is just going to become one of them? Um, because uh, I, I think. Um, I think through satanic subterfuge, um, they've subverted the, 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 um, the. In the first two verses, um, you've 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 got a, a late a late sixties, early seventies, um, like San Francisco hippie cult um, of the kind that Charles Manson might have been involved with, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and you know what, what what you do is you 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 take a ton of acid or eat some magic mushrooms or peyote or something, um, and then submit to the knife and then you become a creature of, of, of pure spirit but mm. what they don't mm. realize is satan's been fooling them all along mm. and um all he wants um is and th this this is presumably going to become quite a uh, a mechanized process i should point out that this mechanized process that this idea of many 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 human sacrifices happening routinely was a big tentpole of the satanic panic mm -hmm. at the time this album came out the people who uh, believed in a very large, widespread satanic underground, a real one sure. in America in the 80s, were firmly convinced that it was practically an industrial scale operation. Mm -hmm. um, you'll, often, you'll, you'll often hear testimonies given to the police and testimonies given by the police that they have evidence of tens of thousands of sacrifices. Sure. Yeah. And presumably yeah. the, the, the intention of this would be to Re or, or to, to liberate, to, to return to earth, many, many, many of the damned souls in hell. Mm. And of course, those kind of conspiracies persist to this day, don't they, with the likes of QAnon and the Pizzagate stuff surrounding the Clintons, all of these kind of, you know, these kind of, you know, out there kind of crazed, crazy theories. And when I say crazy, I'm not using that pejoratively. I mean, just kind of outside of the outside of the mainstream, you know. Um, I have no hesitation in using the word crazy, mm. as in mentally ill, mm. as in needs help and medication and possibly hospitalization for a while. Sure. People, people who earnestly believe in things like um, a massive satanic conspiracy with the complicity of politicians and law enforcement authorities. Mm. 
I, most people would point to Savile, wouldn't they, and say, you're wrong, Doc, you're wrong, look at Savile. Except um, I think the one thing Jimmy Savile wasn't was a Satanist. Mm. Mm. Um, except for the people who will argue that Satanism, the, the Satanists who would argue that Satanism is actually about self-glorification and the gratification of your own desires. Sure. And it has nothing to do with the spiritual character of Satan at all. Mm-hmm. Um, in which case, possibly you could call Jimmy Savile a Satanist. That's, that's, the, that's the Anthony Crowley school of thought, isn't it, I, I believe? Um, that would be the 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 Alistair Crowley. Alistair Crowley, sorry, sir, yeah. Uh, yeah. To, to, um, to do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anton LaVey, um, just to make it very, very clear on this, when drafting the satanic laws of the universe, um, I believe law number eight is do not harm little children. Mm. Curious, I, I mashed those two word, those two names together, didn't I, in my, bro- yeah. my tiny little mind then? Yes. Anything else you can glean from this from this verse, or should we, or should we hit up the, the, the last verse? What do you reckon? We'll hit up the last verse and we'll, we'll we'll see if we can get some answers to our questions. We, we, we've got questions at the moment. We have. Yeah, here we go. A gift of powers disposed upon you. Use them when you feel the need. Master the forces and powers of Satan, controlling the creature's instinct. Drawn to the castles that float in the sky, learn to resist the temptation. Watching the angels sift through the heavens, endlessly searching for salvation. Yeah, so any answers provided for you there, Doc? It's almost like another set of questions. Mm. Um, a gift of powers disposed. I think he means um, not disposed. He doesn't mean uh, disposed, does he? I, I think he means well. bestowed. Bestowed upon you, of course. Yeah, yeah. Bestowed upon you. Mm-hmm. Use them when you feel the need. And so what's happening here? The sacrificial calibrant, having been turned into a demon, um, it now seems like that they're having some semblance of humanity, um, or at least human appearance, restored mm-hmm. to them. And they're sent. They're being sent to do what to 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 resume their previous life. A, a gift of powers bestowed upon you. Use them when you feel the need. So this is a clear reference to this person's going to go back to their normal life. Yeah. To their marriage and their job, um, and presumably they no longer look like a demon. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've had a gift of power bestowed upon them to use when they fit. When to use when they feel the need. Um, I think it goes beyond that, though, Doc. I don't think they're just sent back to Earth. I think they're being used as some kind of, like, infiltrator to, to, to pass beyond Heaven's gates. Yeah, that would make perfect sense, too. Mm-hmm. Um, have, you, have you ever seen... Uh, I'm going to ref- go back to this transforming the five toes into two. Um, you've seen Brimstone and Treacle, the Dennis Potter play, haven't you? Uh, I don't think I have, actually, no. I haven't, I haven't seen much Potter apart from singing Detective. There's a great bit in that play, and it's the only explicit reference that Michael's Kitchen's, Michael Kitchen's character is actually a demon um, and not just a sexual pervert with a social conscience. Um, there's one bit where um, he gets out of bed and he puts his feet on the floor and he's got hairy cloven hooves, mm-hmm. um, which um, he immediately conceals inside some slippers that he's stolen from Denim Elliott. 
And it's really, really interesting um, that the, the, the cloven hooves are the only clue or the only explicit clue to the demonic nature of that character. Sure. And um, as we've, we've just been talking about quite a lot, we, we've, we've got an explicit reference here to uh, the person being, being, being given cloven hooves. It's, and, well, it's such a potent image, isn't it? It's so effective. Yeah. Just, you know, just a, a shorthand. It's so effective. Um, I mean, I, I can't get this idea out of my head that uh, somehow I've started imagining, and I don't know why, I've started imagining the late set of the, probably because we we're talking about stuff in the mid 80s and the satanic panic. I've suddenly started imagining like the Brian De Palma <coughs> version of sure. this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sacrificial calibrant is now presumably going to be returned to her former, uh, her, 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 thought, her, her former life as the, uh, the CEO of a large cosmetics corporation um, or something. And I'm just sort of imagining a bit of Brian De Palma humour um, of watching her trying to stuff her cloven hooves into her, um, like, uh, her, her, her high heel Gucci loafers and trying to walk on them. I guess most people probably don't think that when they listen to this song. I <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, okay. That's what we're here to do, Doc. We, we, we're, here to, we, we're here to explain away all of our bizarre and, 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 and tawdry thoughts. Don't you worry. Yeah. Don't you worry. Um, so, um, <clears throat> yeah, a gift of power bestowed. Um, use them when you feel need. Master the forces and powers of Satan, controlling the creatures. What creature is this? Does this mean the creature's instinct? Has, to has, me, that suggests that... that, that it, it, so we have, like, the earthly form of this female right. victim and buried within her is something else. That, you know, the, 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 the demonic thing is within her um, once the transformation is complete. So that, that cloven hoof, hoof bit seems to me like a temporary stage. And by the time she right. comes back to Earth, she's now, like, human form again, ready to... Actors, you know, like like um, um, what's the word? Like a not, not double agent, but you know, a sleeper agent in in heaven. Yeah. Um, there's a couple more things that this makes me think of. Um, we've dealt with themes of dualism in Slayer lyrics before. Um, the the, the dualism between um, body and spirit. Um, do you suppose and. I'm probably thinking about Brian De Palma again now. Um, controlling the creature's instinct. Um, is this sort of some, some sort of Nietzschean invocation um, that what you have to do is to control the bodily and carnal lusts sure. um, of this, this fleshly vessel that you're now inhabiting? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's exactly what it is, almost like as a, as a demonstration of your purity. Yeah, as 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 a, as a perfect counterpoint to the to the reality of the of the horror that dwells within. Yeah, so I mean, presumably um, you are now in charge of this vessel, but um, do not permit it mm-hmm. to seek carnal satisfaction mm-hmm. or mundane satisfaction. Yeah, um, yeah. So the, this, I'm going to say it again, this 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 kind of Nietzschean thing of staying on top of the base animal instincts. Sure. Yeah, no, I think it's totally plausible. Totally plausible. Uh, The the last line that I I want to draw attention to, watching the angels sift through the heavens. That that, that word sift is interesting, isn't it? Interesting verb. When I think of the word sift, what kind of things do we sift through, Doc? You know, we we sift through rubble, don't we? We sift through debris. Um, You know, we sift through things that are generally broken and powderized. 
in some way. I always think of sifting through libraries. Oh, really? So you're, I mean, I would say browsing in that in that context. Um, but not nicely laid out libraries. I always think of sifting through like um, evil libraries in forgotten European castles mm. um, presided over by gibbering senile librarians. Sure. And you, you're, 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 you're looking for the, the lost scroll of Nahagamath. Yes, um, of course. Yes. It, it, it's Saturday afternoon. What else are you going to do? You know? Of course. Um, the line that intrigued me just before that, and it has a bearing on sift. Mm-hmm. Um, drawn to the castles that float in the sky. That's the most overtly psychedelic line I can think of in Slayer so far. I mean, you're quite right. It's a curious reference, isn't it? Because I think it's clearly trying to invoke the image of heaven, but in a very curious way. I think it's trying to draw us back to one of the starting points. With it. Is, is it trying to remind us that uh, of this sort of acid cult where we start this, this acid mm. cult in San Francisco in 1968 where we mm. started? Mm. Um, I mean, is is it um, is it a sideways reference to Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin? Mm. Um, well, maybe you know, if thinking about if you, if you're referring to San Francisco specific, I mean, of course, there's no castles as such in San Francisco, but they've got the likes of Coit Tower, which is quite high and dominant. Um, yeah. I think you've got some rather large buildings at the top of the amusingly named area Knob Hill. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, it, 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 it's a possibility. I, I think that it, that, that I think that he, he's invoking heaven here, and it ties in. So that these castles that float in the sky from Earth, if we could see them, they would appear perfect. But now we've got this this, this sleeper agent that, that, that that's infiltrated heaven, and she can actually see the reality, which is that heaven is crumbling and turning to dust. I'm going to put to you a very, very slight twist on your theory. Mm. I don't think it's a theological heaven. Um, mm. I think um, I'm following the metaphor that's outlined, or the um, the metaphor that's outlined in the Omen. Uh, I don't understand how a sacrificial victim returned to Earth would then somehow have access to heaven. But if you follow my Brian De Palma version of this, what they would have access to is the world of um, corporate wealth and politics. Mm. And I think that's. I think those are the castles that float in the sky. Yeah, are you talking about skyscrapers, basically? Um, that that could be one interpretation. Yeah. Um, I think. Um, I think someone's been at their. Um, someone's been at the poetry book. Someone's been paying attention in poetry class, um, because we've got we've got three meanings in one line. Um, I think on the one hand. Um, it's an overt psychedelic reference. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 the kind of experience you you you, you might have um, on some really good acid. Sure, you can be drawn to the castles that float in the sky. Um, it could be an explicit reference to the structures of skyscrapers. Yeah, um, and it could be an explicit reference to drawing a parallel between corporate culture and the the the, um, the fabled um, castles in Spain. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so if it is the corporate culture that it's referring to, learn to resist the temptation. What's that about? Is, it, is, is that suggesting that you know you've got to play the game? You know you've got to you've got to pretend to be a, a good human or at least human um, in order to gain access to that to that domain. Um, it's um, it has the same meaning of um, controlling the creature's instinct. Yeah. So um, you're, in, you're 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 now in charge of this 
this fleshly body, which presumably being a woman's body is obviously inherently lustful and sinful. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, you, you, you've, you've got to stay on top of it. Mm. Uh, this is a tool that you've got to use for your purpose, presumably to outmaneuver and murder your way to the top of the global mega corporation so you can now bring about the kingdom the, the kingdom of Satan on earth yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Um, yeah. And learn to resist the temptation. Well, um, on your rise to power, you're going to see a lot of stuff that looks like it might be really fun. Mm. Um, uh, you know, um, wealth and corporate power are extremely tempting things. But no, no you, you, you're not here to get wealthy and, 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 and snort cocaine. Sure. Um, Stay focused. Yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, get to the top and bring about the kingdom of Satan on earth. Yeah. yeah. You, you've got to yeah, put, the, put the cocaine down. You've got a job to do, basically. Yeah. Very yeah, much so. Fair enough. Um, anything else here, Doc, or should we, should we move on to our final thoughts? Um. Just one final thing, and yeah. I, I, I know I'm flogging this a bit hard. Assuming I was right about those two lines, uh, do 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 we have do we have a reference to LSD and do we have a reference to cocaine in the two adjacent lines? Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll I'll leave that with you. I couldn't yeah. resist it. Yeah, no, um, no, no. It, 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 and now we'll move on. It's provocative stuff. I, I quite like these as a set of lyrics. I think it's I think it's really really good fun. Um, you know, really plentiful images in the mind um so you know some decent vocabulary actually um and you know tells an tells an, a, an interesting if slightly confusing narrative i would say mate what was the song from quite close to the end of the second album and we had a really good go at putting together the story that it was based on mm -hmm. and the story the, the, the only story we could come up with was so ridiculously convoluted it was a song of the second album, and we, we thoroughly enjoyed trying to make sense of the lyrics, <laughs> even though I don't think we did. I think um, it was uh, Crips of Eternity. Yeah. I think. You're right. Yeah. Um, these these ones make a lot more sense. Um, and there's there's some proper poetry in here. There, mm. There's um, I mean, in that last verse, um, there's some stuff that you really, really wouldn't be embarrassed to bring up in English class. Mm. No, you're quite right. You're quite um, right. Yeah, I, I think I think Mr. King has stepped his game up a little bit here. Welcome to part four of Slaytanic Vercast. Here we just offer our final thoughts and summations and discuss anything we might have missed along the way. But as usual, before we do that, some details. Writing credits, music by Jeff Hanneman, lyrics by Kerry King. According to Setlist, this was played 448 times by Slayer, putting it at quite a lofty 21st position overall. First play was in a place called Lamour, Brooklyn, um, on October 17th, 1986. We've heard that place before, Doc, I'm sure. They uh, yeah. debuted several tracks on, on that particular show. Um, and last played Something called the Paramount, Huntington, New York, on June the sixteenth, twenty fifteen. So you know they actually do play this reasonably frequently, Doc. Actually, despite what we we presumed earlier. Yeah, um, and over a much longer time period. So uh, <laughs> the only possible explanation is that they they must practice it quite frequently as well. Yeah. Um, last little bit of detail here. Um, the new feature where we. Where I, I read out from um, the Loudwire website from their 
article entitled All 118 Slayer Songs Ranked from Worst to Best. Altar of Sacrifice comes in at number 34 overall. And here's what they say. Merciless and vicious. Altar of Sacrifice never lets up on the speed or the lyrically graphic story of a sacrificial rite. Mid-song, Araya growls, enter to the realm of Satan, and the tempo drops into an extra chuggy part that yielded much blood spilt in the mosh pits of yore. Yeah, I mean, I can't really, I can't really argue with anything that says that, but he, he does say, never lets up on the speed, but then says the tempo drops, which seems a bit of a contradiction, but... To say it never lets up on speed is just wrong. Yeah, I think yeah, no. I think I think it's wrong. Yeah, it clearly slows down as as the track progresses. Come on, the yes. dust. Final thoughts. No, I I really really enjoyed this one. Yeah, I really enjoyed this track. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's perfectly placed to be um, something different in an album that I think risks. I hate to say this word, taking itself too seriously. Mm. It, it risk. It, it sometimes risks just being a downer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With, without winking and grinning at the audience, it's um, it's a bit of levity. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think they're saying you know it, 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 it it's good to analyse the you know the horrors and and terrors that humanity are capable of in real life. But at the same time, it's okay just to have a bit of fun, isn't it? I think that's what the, I think that's the message of this song, really. Yeah, um, and if people want moral lessons from Satan. Uh, from from Slayer or from Satan, assuming they're not the same thing. Um, <laughs> I think that's a message that popular culture in 2021 um, could actually take a lesson from. Um, by all means, take things seriously that need to be taken seriously. Um, but don't forget to take some time out and relax and enjoy yourself just a bit sometimes. Sure. Yeah, it, 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 I'm sure we've touched on this previously, but it... To me, it is quite extraordinary that anybody could read these lyrics and take them seriously and be offended by them, you know, existentially offended. I I just find it just baffling, mystifying, Doc. The people who genuinely... Right, now I'm going to say this very deliberately. I'm not going to say the people who are offended. What I'm going to say is the people who genuinely take offence are too dumb to have an existential appreciation of anything. Mm. Um, they're the kind of people who don't have any existential appreciation of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, the people who get offended by Slayer songs are not the people who read the Bible um, as a set of allegories and metaphors that has a great deal to say about the human condition. Sure. Um, they read the Bible to feel good about themselves Um and um, to feel like Jesus loves them um, and hates other people. Sure. Yeah. Anybody different, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I don't. Probably because I'm not living in a small town in Alabama, um, I don't feel remotely threatened by people like that because I don't feel as though people like that have an existential appreciation of anything. Mm. No, that's fair. That, that's fair comment. <laughs> Anything else to say, Doc, before we pronounce? I think I, I've, I've pretty much um, said everything, and apart from the fact that um, I now have in my head um, a film that... Um, who's, who, who's the modern Brian De Palma? Who do we have in, in, instead of Brian De Palma nowadays? 
I just don't think no. there's an equivalent. I mean, maybe Danny Boyle. Yeah, I mean, who who makes that kind of um, basically tra- soft porn trash, mm. but with a bit more money and the ability to have a superficial gloss and glamour on it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Danny, it's Danny Boyle, isn't it? You know, you know, yeah. Danny Boyle's the director who, you know, in order to shake off all of the seriousness and and and, and kind of pomposity of of of, of uh, directing the, the the Olympic ceremony in 2012 went to made trance a movie which features as a MacGuffin a key a key sequence where whether or not uh, Roxana Dawson has pubic hair is uh, is like an essential plot line. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, right. Since evidently his James Bond film is never going to come out ever, ever, ever. No. Um, I'm now going to dedicate the rest of my life to getting him to read the script treatment of the film, which I'm now going to write this very minute. <laughs> very good, yes. Um, I, I think he, he walked away from Bond, didn't he, actually? I, I think it's... A, it, isn't it Justin Lin is now um, the official director? Danny Boyle I walked lost, away. I lost track of Bleak yeah. Stroke stopped paying attention two yeah. years ago. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, are you ready to pronounce, Doc? Are you, are you ready to... Uh, <laughs> to bestow some liquescent swords upon this particular yeah, track. Yeah, I am. I absolutely am. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I think we are not supposed to think of this as one of the great Slayer tracks. Um, I think it is, for all of the reasons I've just outlined. Um, and I think it does an, inf- uh, an, an essential job on the album. Mm-hmm. For that reason, I am going to award it nine liquescent swords. Now, isn't this curious, Doc? You see, I'll... I'll if we were ju- if we were judging this as part of the album overall, I think it would get ten out of ten, a straight ten out of ten from me. But that's not what we're doing. We're analysing this as a standalone song, and just because I, th- I think it's brilliant, um, but just because I do think, through necessity of the structure of the album, it loses a bit of momentum before it kicks into uh, track five. As a standalone song, I, I have to deduct a mark. So, Doc, I'm going to match you again. That's two weeks in a row we've matched each other. It's yeah, getting nine mouldering most schools out of ten. So, there we have it, guys. Uh, just about does it for this episode. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter at Vercast or on email at slaytanicvercast at gmail.com. Join us next time when we'll be discussing the fifth track from Raining Blood which is, of course, Jesus saves. See you then, Doc. See you later.